Mm-hmm. All right. Well, welcome everyone. It feels like it's been a year since I've done this. Um, I'm Colton. Welcome to another episode of Fan Field Motorsports. This is episode 72 for us. Um, I'm out of it, man. I've had COVID for like a little over the last week. Um, I've still got a pretty pounding headache today. So I'm not all the way here. Yeah. So uh, last time we did an episode was actually two weeks ago. We did one with Turnpike. Yeah. So this is just going to be a short episode tonight. We're going to get into some recaps from the last couple of races because obviously we didn't do a recap for Michigan and we're going to recap some of Richmond and then preview Watkins Glen. And then we're going to, we're going to hand it over to LTC because they have an episode tonight at eight o'clock interviewing somebody that's um, rather famous. So we don't want to get into that in their way too much. So without further yeah. ado, let's get into it. Yeah. We'll try to chop it up quick. Um, so going back now, almost two weeks ago, we saw um, the series go to Michigan. Um, Kevin Harvick got the win. The story of the weekend was definitely Bubba, though. I mean, he got the pole. He's one of the fastest cars in practice. Um, had a great run. Um, probably could have gotten the lead had he not been held up by Logano for just a couple laps or a couple less laps. Um, but great run for Bubba and Kevin for grabbing a playoff spot. What was your thoughts on that weekend? Yeah, I thought it was a good weekend. I didn't really expect Michigan to be a very good race because there's not many grooves. and It's, it's one of those tracks, you know, where it's all about track position, but – I was pleasantly surprised. Um, of course, passing is always hard at Michigan, but they could pass. It just took quite a long time. And for a while, it was a good race between, um, I think, the 11 and the 20 were pretty much the dominant cars for a while. And then I think Bell took himself out during a pit cycle, and that led to a caution, which trapped the 99 a lap down. So there was another contender gone. And from that point on, it looked like the 11 would have pretty much handily won the race if they didn't get a penalty. And they got a penalty for too many men over the wall. and Something weird that normally doesn't happen on a green flag pit stop. And then it looked like Harvick was the leader. And another caution comes out, and it was pretty much Harvick versus Bubba. And like Colton said, Logano pretty much held up everybody behind Harvick, so – really wasn't much of a contest from there on out. Yeah. Um, but it was, and you mentioned it too, the race is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I felt like it was a little bit of what I remember Michigan being. Um, I thought for sure with the new cars going in there and the way we've seen some of these tracks race that we were going to see um, air play a huge role, which it did play a big one, but I thought it was going to be a major role. Um, I didn't expect it, the lanes to work. Um as well as they did, especially up around the top of the track. So it was good to see. Yeah, I mean, I think Hamlin drove from 25th to 3rd in the last 30 laps. So that's definitely not something that would have happened last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we keep seeing uh, – let's let's talk about Kurt first because this has been kind yeah. of a big story. Um, hasn't raced since – what was week before Pocono, New Hampshire? Yeah, that was his last race. So. Yeah, so – and what well, he's missed three races now, um, looking to be no four races now, looking to be a possible fifth. Haven't had any word yet. So what does what are you making of the Kurt situation here? Man, I'm getting a little worried for him. I think that he does intend to come back. It's just right now, it's a tricky situation to come back from these kind of injuries because um, I, I read Dale Jr.'s book when it came out a few years ago and it seemed like his comeback was really only there because he wanted to give the fans something like a farewell tour. He didn't want to just leave them. 
Yeah. And I feel like if Kurt comes back, it, it would be kind of hard because I'm sure that the doctors probably wouldn't want him to come back, but he, I'm sure he wants to come back. So I think it's hard to make a good decision in this situation. I right. think that if he comes back, he'll be motivated. He's obviously, he wants to come back. He's motivated, but I just, for his long-term health, it's, it's not going to do him any favors because, you know, it seems like with these head injuries, the more you get, the worse they get. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's going to pay off for him in the long run, but if he comes back, I'm all for it. I just think that it's not going to, it's not going to end well. So, so he has a playoff provisional, right? Because he's missed so many races. NASCAR's still saying, Hey, we're going to hold your playoff spot for you. Yeah. So long as you're out. NASCAR's going to be in a tough situation if Kurt's the one they have to kick out if we get to 16, 17 winners here. Mm-hmm. Um, like if MTJ and, say, Bubba win these next two races, who are they going to kick out? Is it going to be Kurt? Are they going to hold up that end of the bargain and say, well, it was a medical thing? You know, I'm interested to see what they do. Um, I'm trying to look up the actual just points right now. Right. Is he um, the lowest winner of points? Uh. Yes, he is. But How I think it's top, yeah, it's top 30. So mm-hmm. Kurt has 485. Ty Dillon is currently in 30th with 346. So he's got about 140 points. Yeah, which, I think he'll be top 30 as long as two other people don't win. He'll be top 30, yeah. So then do you think NASCAR would would honor that if he wanted to come back, say, Darlington weekend? Because I, I said this I on Twitter a couple days ago that I think we see him add 17 drivers to the playoffs before we see a winner or before we see Kurt miss it. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I mean, obviously, if I was in charge, I, I don't want to have to do this, but I'd probably have to kick him out because there's so many. There's never been a situation like this. There's so, so many different right. winners. Because what if what if there were 17 winners when Kyle Busch came back and he won races when he broke his leg? Right, exactly. You like, know, What if there were – what if there were 17 winners? But of course, back then there weren't playoff points. It was just when you're in. And he had, I think, four wins when they, when he yeah, came back. Yeah. So I, I think personally, if he doesn't show up to race by like Daytona or Darlington, then I don't really think he should be there because imagine yeah. how bad it would look if he comes back in the middle of the first round and then he wins Bristol. Yeah. Like, how is that fair to the other yeah. people if he only runs one race and he wins? Yeah, and that's a good point, too. If he doesn't start the playoffs, does he get to hold his spot? And if, I mean, if they do let him hold his spot, why? And then if they don't let him hold his spot, I mean, who do you put in? Is it just the next points guy? Is it? Yeah. I mean, if there's 17 winners, I would just put the top 16 winners in. Yeah, obviously. But I've, I mean, we've seen him do this before where, there was some sort of issue, right, with the spin gate was the main one where they added a 13th driver in. So they're they're not past adding extra spots for no fucking reason. I think what I would do is personally, I don't know, I wouldn't want to add 17 drivers. That's for sure. Like that's, yeah, that would be really bad because everyone already makes fun of 2013. They're already like, well, you know, we're the only sport that adds an extra team to the playoffs, you know? Yeah. I think that would be pretty bad look if they did it again. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, Kurt's back here. Um, I yeah. haven't heard anything about Watkins going, but hopefully, he's. I'm hoping back. he'll be back this week. Yeah. Um, now moving on, the guy who's been replacing him, Ty Gibbs. Ty's done pretty goddamn good. Oh yeah, yes. Um, I think 
At Pocono, he was in the top 20. He was 16th, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, Michigan, he had a speeding penalty, the same pit sequence that Hamlin got his penalty. So he restarted in the back, and he drove up into the top 10. And then at Richmond, it looked like he was probably going to finish top 15 as well until he had some sort of mechanical failure. So he's yeah. been pretty good. I think, honestly, this is not a good thing if you're Kyle Busch because it's going to hurt your contract leverage. If some right. kid that essentially – he probably is driving for free, you know, is getting top 20s on a regular basis, they're probably going to be like, well, why do we need to pay him this much? Right, Exactly. Um, which that leads me into a point before we get into the full Richmond recap, Ty Gibbs and Kyle Bush kind of had a little punching war on Sunday. Yeah. What was your take on that? I was interested to see it because I think that everyone knew that it was going to happen eventually. Um, it was kind of a matter of time before, you know, Ty Gibbs got into it with somebody bigger than him for once. And I was interested to watch what happened. Um, I wasn't overly surprised that, they kind of calmed down after a while, but I was entertained. They were pretty much battling for, it seemed like a whole green flag run. I mean, they were on the top, they were on the bottom. They were doing things that normally you don't do at Richmond. So I was interested. I thought it was good. And I just, I don't think it was anything to do with the, the contract situation as much as it just was. He wanted to make an impression on the series. Yeah. I think that was just Ty being Ty. You know, he's getting comfortable in the car now. Um, he knows how to hit people now. So I think that's just him being him. He knows he's faster than the 18, at least on the bottom he was. Um, might as well move him out of the way. Um, I don't think, like you said, it had anything to do with about contract. I don't think there's any underlining meaning here. I think it was just a good a good little battle between, I mean, possible teammates, possible, I don't know what the situation is going to be. Um, but either way, it's interesting, especially – when talking about contracts because there's several big ones that got released this last couple weeks. And then a couple that are still looming. Um, so the big ones out of the way are Bubba signed an extension with 2311. Um, I don't remember how many years. I don't even think they disclosed that. No, they just said multiple. Yeah. So multi-year extension. And then Ryan Blaney was released today. He signed a long-term extension with Penske. Um, so as a Blaney fan, I'm stoked because that means that we're not being looked at as necessarily the third horse in the stable. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that at this point, I think it's fair to call him the lead driver at Penske, even though he hasn't won a race. I mean, I, I do think Logano's going to make the Final Four, but I think that all things regardless, if you ignore that win, he's definitely the lead driver. And he was last year, too. So I think that it's a good choice. Um, there was never a doubt that Penske wanted him back. All the sponsors there want him. I think it was a good decision because – if you look at what DBC said about Logano a few weeks back, they said his last contract was seven years, which yeah. is – it's not necessarily unheard of in NASCAR terms, but it's really close to where it's not normally seen anymore. Like, it's happened in the past. I think Hamlin in 2012 signed a deal that ran through 2018, which was another really big deal. I think that chances are whatever contract he signed, it was probably at least four years. Yeah. Um, and I would – I would disagree about the best driver at Penske. I still think Logano holds that, but I would say best team at Penske, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Because I think that, like you said, in terms of results, it's definitely Blaney. It's just not. Yeah, not necessarily. Well, it's not clicking with Logano. Right. Yeah, and he does have off years. Um, we've seen it several times. We'll have a couple really good years and then a few off years. Um, another big contract that I mentioned was Bubba. 
Um, Eric Jones also signed to the 43 for a while. Um, and then Noah Gregson is going to go race the 42 next year for Petty GMS. Yeah, I'm excited about that. At first, I was a little bit, you know, I was a skeptical because prior to um, prior to this year, there wasn't really much for Noah in terms of cup experience, but he runs good when he's in the 16. So I think he'll surprise people pleasantly. Um, if he can finish the races, he'll do well because obviously Michigan, he ran really well and he crashed out and, I think the 600, he ran really well before he spun. And it's only a matter of finishing races for him. I think that it's yeah. going to be big for Petty GMS because now they have a second driver that not only brings a ton of funding, I think more funding than Ty Dillon brings. That'll be big for the program because I think Maury Gallagher said that they're in a really rushed plan right now to win races because he's up there. He's in his 70s. He said that he wants to see this team win races while he's still alive. So I think having that driver next to Jones is going to be really good because he brings funding and I think he's got a lot of upside. So yeah, this is going to be a big thing for GMS because it's been a long time since RPM in general has had two really good drivers. So I think this is, I mean, it's great for Noah, obviously getting more cup experience. Um, but I definitely think that this is more of a Chevrolet move than it is a Petty move. Oh yeah. Um, I think with all the the rumors about the new uh, the charter system, you know that deal gets over here in a couple of years. Um, if Junior Motorsports does claim a charter, I think he's going to pick Gregson as his driver. Um, and I didn't see how long the contract was for, but I definitely think if Junior Motorsports ever moves up to Cup. Noah's the first guy to fill that seat, and I think they just want him to get a little bit more cup experience to go in and fill that role in the team rather than trying to do a colleague with Justin Haley kind of thing. People have said that he can go to RCR maybe once the eight is vacated. I'm not sure when that is, but I think with Austin Hill getting better, that's more or less his ride if he brings enough funding. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. Um, Another thing I heard too, I heard Rattlesnake say this, so he's an Austin Dillon fan. And he said he wouldn't be surprised if Austin Dillon steps aside here in a couple of years um, from driving just because he's getting so much into business. And then, you know, his PBR team, his reality show, because, um, I mean, he he has to know that he's not one of the top 10, top 15 talents in the Cup Series. Um, yeah. So Rattlesnake was telling me, yeah, he wouldn't put it past Austin being smart enough to step aside and let an Austin Hill or a Noah Gregson fill that ride. Yeah, so I discussed this with me earlier today, and they mentioned that they want to see Dale Jr. form a merger with RCR. Yeah. You know, have a third car and make it, you know, earn our children's racing. I think that would be a good idea. But at the same time, I would rather Junior Motorsports have their own team because I feel like having more separate teams be competitive is just better than just all of them aligned together. Because the way it is now, it's like all the Chevy teams, except for like Hendrick, they're kind of all put together. 2311 and JGR almost one and the same. So I think independent teams is really good for us. Um, another big contract looming is Kyle Bush. So we have over the last few weeks heard his stipulations of he would stay at Gibbs another year and take less money um, just on like a one-year contract that he would – I mean, he's obviously been talking to Ford and Chevrolet. That's been released by DBC. And now it sounds like Gibbs has pretty much stopped talking to him. 
Yeah, I think that it's not a case of we want them gone. It's just a case of we've looked at every possible offer and none of them seem to be perfect for him. So this is the last offer. If he doesn't want it, then we're not going to change it. So right. this has happened before with a number of drivers, another series to where they've explored their options and they were given one final offer by the team where it's like, if you don't take this offer, then this is, we're not going to be able to offer you anything else. Like this is our final right. team. And it, it's happened. Um, I know Ferrari does this in F1 quite a bit to where they'll have drivers that are exploring all their options. And then because they don't like the offer Ferrari's given them. And, you know, once, once they kind of make that decision, they're already sort of pushed out the door. Right. And I don't think Gibbs is pushing him out the door at all. I think it's just a matter of, like like we said earlier, there's just nothing else they can do because I'm sure they've offered him every different type of thing outside of a big sponsor. I'm sure they're like, well, we could run you unsponsored. We could give you a ton of money to do this. We could do that. It's just, yeah. If they can't agree, they can't agree. And I I would wouldn't be surprised if he signed somewhere else. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back because there's been a change in body language in the last few weeks with him. You know, a couple of weeks ago, he's like you said, he said that he was happy to take less money to come back to the 18 card. A few months ago, he wouldn't have said that. So right. I'm interested to see what happened behind the scenes that led to it. Yeah, I definitely think this is if this is true, um, that Gibbs has kind of put his last offer out. I think it's just to kind of push it along, um, mm-hmm. kind of to say, hey, this has gone on long enough. Either leave or don't. Um, because now I think especially he's seen what Ty can do. And like we mentioned it earlier, does Gibbs really need to re-sign Kyle Busch? Like Ty is obviously going to bring a little bit of funding. Um, you know, he's already kind of contracted into one of those rides anyway. Yeah. I'm interested in this. Um, it kind of reminds me of a situation that um, I remember pretty vividly as a child. Um, it was 2014. It was Ferrari. Like I said earlier, um, they were kind of in a driver dispute between Alonzo and Vettel. There were two options on the table and Alonzo had a deal that ran through the end of 2016. And there was an option to release that contract. And he, he took that option to release it. He said, look, I want to be a free agent after the end of the year. And he explored all of his options. And by the time he came back and didn't really know what he was going to do, Ferrari, you know, they had snapped up Vettel behind his back to where they had already committed to somebody even if he decided he wanted to come back because they didn't know if he was coming back. And it's really important because I'm sure JGR has plans in place to where if that happened and say Kyle doesn't decide until the, you know, 23rd hour out of 24 or whatever, but it's already too late in season for him to come back. I'm sure they're already going to have something lined up. Right. Yeah. And that gets you into a spot too with, you know, the Chevrolet and the Ford teams he's talking to, there's really only one team I think that could, honestly afford Kyle Busch, no problems. And that's Stuart Haas. Um, you know, it's, they have an open spot next year. Almirola is still rumored to be retiring. Obviously Cole Custer, um, did he sign or is it just still rumored that he's going to sign? Ooh, that's tough. It's a rumor, but they said that they plan on trying to keep yeah. the 41 the same. But, and being with who Cole's dad is, I wouldn't expect anything different. Um, right. So really it's going to be up to whether or not Gene Haas wants Eric Almarola in that car again, if Eric comes back or hook, you know, shell out the money for Kyle Busch. Cause we're getting late enough now to where you got to have a lot of these races sold before the season mm-hmm. ends for the next year. Like 
sponsors are so few and far between and hard to commit to, it takes a long time to do. So who else other than I don't see colleague being able to foot that bill until they can find something. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, again, I'm sure his salary demands are a little bit different than what they used right. to be prior to, you know, Ty Gibbs coming into 2311 and running well because salary disputes are a big part of racing. He's probably not the first one to have this and he's definitely not going to be the last, but he came from a different era to where drivers were getting eight figures every season. And I think it's a big adjustment for him to not, to right. not be doing that. And I, I understand where people are coming from. Like, Oh, well, why is he complaining? You know, he's already a millionaire. And I think they're forgetting that he has a truck team to take care of. And I wouldn't be surprised if a big, part maybe over half of his paycheck goes to the truck team yeah well and not only that but like he is one of the top talents in yeah. all of motor racing like you know that comes with a, a certain price tag like hey you can guarantee kyle's gonna get everything he can out of these cars like mm -hmm. if he's not winning that's not a him problem and so i feel like his price tag isn't that ridiculous but yeah when you do compare it to what these guys are making back in like the next till days yeah because i think i saw it somewhere to where JGR right now they have three of the four highest paid drivers on their team, which obviously that's going to hurt quite a bit in the bank in terms of trying to pay all those guys because all of them are worth a ton. Right. And I think this happened again, this happened at Ferrari in 2014 to where the season wasn't really what Alonzo expected. You know, he wanted a better car because he'd been there for like five years and it hadn't really gotten better. If anything, it only just got worse. And, you know, he left them final demand. He said, hey, if I'm not getting $50 million every year, then I'm out the door. You know, because he was making like 30 or $40 million, but he said that, look, if the cars aren't getting better, then either you raise my pay to compensate for this equipment not being where it should be, or I just leave. And obviously, they didn't grant him his $50 million a year salary that he wanted, so he just left. And... I think we're in a similar situation with Kyle. It's not in terms of the equipment being bad, but it's just the results aren't really there right now. I mean, right. You look and I at think, where his teammates are and look yeah. at where he is, and it doesn't make sense. Well, and I think Kyle was one that definitely benefited from a lot of practice back when we were running hours a week. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's really, I mean, you can just see it drop off. 2019, he won the title, and then 2020 on hasn't had the same success. And so I think that's almost a direct correlation. Um, granted that doesn't always mean causation, but it's a good point to look yeah. at. And another part is I think that people were so quick to get into hyping up Kyle Busch that they forget how good his teammates are, you know? Right. You look at, even when they had practice, Hamlin matched Kyle pretty evenly most seasons, except for, you know, the, the Adam Stevens years. Those were really the only years where, he pretty much thoroughly destroyed having Hamlin as a teammate. And you look at, you know, 2019, they were even. 2020, they were definitely not even. That was just all lopsided in Hamlin's favor. I mean, 2021, yeah. lopsided Hamlin's favor. I, I think that now you look at it, the one thing that really confuses me is the fact that Bell is out running. And, of course, he's got Adam Stevens, but it's just – it's a little confusing to me to see a, a third-year driver – take his old crew chief and just start out running him. I think there's right. probably some dissatisfaction there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, we are at 53 here. So we'll do a quick Richmond recap. Um, Kevin Harvick nabbed his second win in a row. This is why we call him the closer. Um, 
So what did you think of the Richmond race? We saw a lot of strategy, which I was a fan of. Yeah, I enjoyed the strategy racing. You know, it's something that I was hoping for because obviously the racing action itself at Richmond has been a little lackluster in years past. So I think having a long green race definitely helps it in terms of making strategy sort of the main attraction. And I think that yeah. there were four or five guys that were in contention in that last stage. I think the 20 was in contention, but I think having a pit penalty and having a spin definitely really hurt him. And I think the 11 was probably the car to beat, but they had, I think they lost three seconds on their final pit stop and they ended up losing by 3.8 because they were, they were two seconds ahead of bell when they came into the pits, they come out behind bell. So I think that was definitely where the race was won and lost. And yeah. you saw Chris Buescher run really good too. I was pretty excited to see that. Hey, so I did a $5 bet on two drivers this last weekend for top threes. I picked Chase Briscoe and Chris Buescher and Chris Buescher was $160 payout for this complete bullshit bet. I had no reasoning behind picking either one of them. Yeah. I've said it so many times. Chris Buescher is really underrated and, I think you're going to see it more and more often. I think he could even be in contention to win this weekend. MCJ 2.0 or what? Hopefully. I think yeah. that I've hyped him up for quite a long time. And he's, you know, he was in that generation with Blaney and Elliott coming up through the ranks at the same time. And he never got the cars that they did. So, yeah. As soon as it happens, I'd like to see what he's capable of because this is really the first time in a long time that Roush has actually had a car that could compete. Yeah. Yeah, they're starting to become relevant again, um, which is, I mean, it's great to see Kozlowski had a good run this last weekend at Richmond as well. Um, so Kevin Harvick, ooh, this is a good question from Drew. Y'all think MTJ is second-guessing that extension? Ooh, Possibly. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what to think about this one because obviously there was an article that came out in The Athletic about his girlfriend's health, and it wasn't necessarily the greatest but she was kind of the one that told him to wear instead of having him make that decision based on her health. She just told him, do what you want. Like whatever makes you happy is your choice. And he chose to come back another season. And yeah. obviously right now he's what 26 out from the playoffs. And yeah. This would be the first time in a long time that he's missed the playoffs. So I, I don't know. I didn't see it coming. I don't think he's had that bad of a season if we're being honest. It's just, just the nature of the format, you know, he's what fourth in points. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he's fourth in points, so he hasn't been having a bad season at all. No, he's um, kind of just there. Yeah. And it's just been because there's been so many different winners. Otherwise we'd be talking about MTJ being, you know, a 10th seed or 11th seed in the playoffs instead of, you know, missing it all together with how many playoff points and everything he's accrued. Um, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I don't necessarily think he's regretting it because they still have speed. He can still go out and win next year. Um, you know, it's not like he's in a Jimmy Johnson situation where they just haven't been running good. Um, he just had bad luck. Like he should have won the first Richmond race earlier this year. Um, yeah. You know, there's been a couple other times. Yeah, it's just shocked me because ever since Cole Pern left, he's still done pretty well. I mean, he was a loose wheel away from making the Final Four in 2020. He made the final four last year and this year it doesn't make sense because they still have top 10 speed. They just don't have winning speed that much outside of like two or three races. And I think he only has three top fives in this whole season, which is right. 
kind of outrageous because I think Bell's got more, Hamlin's got more, even Kyle has more. So I'm just a little bit surprised at that. And yeah. it's not normal, but I think that if he comes back next year and he will, I think he'll probably be a lot better because that may or may not be his final season. I think I'm leaning in the direction that it will be. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even so he could still very well go out and win Watkins Glen. You know, he's competitive enough. I don't think I'd count him in for Daytona, um, but he's had good runs there before in the past. So, you know, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, granted he gets a win. He's locked in anyway, because he's got so many points, um, you know, and this conversation goes away. But it will be interesting to see if he doesn't make the playoffs, how that changes up the structure, because he's also one that could go out and just sweep around in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Like, so, honestly, my prediction is that if he misses the playoffs, he's winning Darlington. Like, yeah. I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, which would be – I mean, that would throw a wrench in it. J.J. Yaley could win Daytona, not top 30. I mean, but. I think it's worth noting that Truex actually swept the stages, too, in the 500, which that is, is a normal for him. Yeah. So, um, well, we do have LTC coming on. Mm-hmm. Do we want to wrap this up quick or do we want to keep rolling? Oh, I think we probably wrap it up quick. Um, let's kind of lead into Watkins Glen and see what we got for this weekend. Yeah. So we're heading into the second to last race. Um, I forget what that's called. It's called, it's some big fancy word. Penultimate, um, right? Penultimate, yes. So yes. the penultimate race of the NASCAR regular season. Um, we have a lot of foreign talent in this race, the most um, nations represented in one cup series race ever this weekend at Watkins Glen. Um, one spot left. We have 15 winners. What, do, what are you looking for this weekend, Nate? Oh, man. I'm looking for um, another Blaney versus Truex battle. I think what interests me is that JGR really hasn't been there on the road courses. I think the best they've been all year is Christopher Bell. I think Bell finished third at Coda with no power steering. And he did, yeah, he was going to finish in the top five at Indy until all the restarts happened. So I think there's signs of life for JGR's road course program, but it's definitely, I'm not expecting Truex to go out and lead every lap. That's the only problem. Um, Blaney's been pretty decent on the road courses, though. So I do think that I would put more money on him to finish ahead of the other this weekend at the Glen when it comes to Blaney or Truex. But yeah. I don't know. I, I'm more excited about seeing Raikkonen come back than anything because this is a big deal for NASCAR, I think. Yeah, yeah, this is a huge opportunity um, to get some new eyes on the sport, so hopefully we keep some of them around. Um, I know this will be interesting. Watkins Glen is probably, without a doubt, my favorite road course that the, at least the Cup Series race at. Um, so it'll be fun to see. I always like watching the race. Um, I mean, I hope either Blaney wins it or someone that's already locked into the playoff wins it. Yeah, I can definitely see, you know, Elliot or Reddick just walking away with it. Yeah. Based on how road courses have gone this year. But yeah. I'm really hoping that Kimmy can get a top 20, maybe more out of it, because if he can do well, I think that's going to help the credibility of the Project 91 program. Right. It'll yeah. lure more guys to come in. I think that if he doesn't do well, that's going to hurt the program because – they're going to see, like, oh, where'd your car finish? And he's going to be, like, 30th. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So I think the better Kimmy does, the better chance you have of seeing Project 91 get more and more, like, A-list drivers in that car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't – I mean, Trackhouse has pretty damn good equipment. So 
Mm -hmm. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he could. Maybe I'll put five on him getting a top ten this weekend. Yeah, I think Suarez is another one that I might pick to win the race. I mean, he's been good on road courses this year, and he's been pretty hot lately. So, yeah, kind of tempted. Well, right. Well, very quick show. I think this is one of our shortest episodes we've ever done. Yeah. Um, but wrapping it up pretty quick to try to get these LTC guys on for their interview. Um, check us out everywhere you can find social content. Well, just about everywhere. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, at FanFuel, MSM, everywhere. Nate, you have any last shout-outs before we go? Uh, not really. Other than that, I would just say follow us on Instagram. Um, we have yep, the same Instagram. handles we do on Twitter because – Lately, we've been posting a little bit more on Instagram. You know, we will go from like once a week to once a day. So go ahead and follow us. We've got a few new followers from last week. So we like to see that page keep growing. Hell yeah. All right. Other than that, stay tuned for LTC. We'll see you guys.